0: Hi, and welcome to episode 11 of Coffee, Cake, and Kegels. This episode is titled, Grief is a Thief. So, this episode, not to be, you know, depressing or whatever, but it's it's a heavy topic. Obviously, grief, right? It's not something that's easy and we get over quickly. So, um, I want to talk about that a little bit today. And... um, I know a lot of people right now who are suffering from the loss of a loved one, and, um, you know, it's good for them to hear that they're not alone in this process. So, you know, just a little history, you know, um, when I was 26 years old, I lost my best friend to cancer, and I have lost grandparents, my, my grandmother on my father's side, my nanny, I adored her. I loved we our bond was amazing. We were so close. And I was her favorite grandchild. <laughs> and um when she passed away, it, it devastated my it devastated I was devastated. It shocked it, I was in shock. You know, I was 21 at the time. And I was just so, so saddened by her by the loss. I just couldn't function really. I really couldn't. Um and you know, so, but that losing a grandparent is the natural order of life. That's the way it's supposed to go, right? We're not supposed to lose children. We're not supposed to lose siblings. You know, we're just not, we're supposed to just lose grandparents. and And then of course, parents. Um, and I'm not saying that makes it easier by any means. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that that is the natural order in which life is supposed to go, you know, according to what we believe. But when I lost my best friend, I really, that hit home because we were the same age and, you know, it makes you really reevaluate life and reevaluate a lot of things within your life and really make you see and understand that you're not invincible. You know, he died at 26 years old. You can die too at 26 years old, you know? So, um, you know, just a little history about him. His name was Justin. And for those of you who listen, who know uh, know me (laughs) on a personal level, which I think most of you do, you know I have a son named Justin, and yes, I did name him after my best friend who passed away. The day after my 24th birthday, my friend Justin was diagnosed with rhabdomyosarcoma, which is a cancer of the connective tissue and bone, and it's pretty aggressive. Um, Survival rates were Very low. I don't recall them right now, and I'm sure they're different now because this is going back like 18 years ago. But um, it was it was not it was a very depressing diagnosis, and he was in a hospital in Staten Island where I'm I'm originally from, and uh, the hospital had an oncology intern. And um, I'll never forget the oncology intern came into the room and told my friend, you know, everyone had just been to the hospital and everybody, you know, he brought him baskets and he had candy and and he was just a fun, loving person. I'm sure some of you who listen, um, who are old friends of mine or whatever the case is that knew him, you know, it's bringing a smile to your face because he was the life of the party such a fun-loving person, such a good soul. So he was in the hospital, and he was dancing around the room. (laughs) And I know that sounds like, why would you be doing that? You just got diagnosed with cancer. But he was happy because all his friends were just there. And the oncology intern came into the room and said to him, why are you so happy? You have three months to live. And my friend Justin looked at him, pointed his finger up to the sky, and said, well, that's not for you to decide. And the doctor said, well, then who is it for? And my friend, again, with his finger up to the sky, said, it's for him. Needless to say, um, we got him the hell out of that hospital, and he went to Sloan Kettering in New York City, where the world's, one of the, one of the, like, the leading doctors in this particular cancer had just so happened to work there. So he was really in luck, and that doctor did give him two years at life, and um, on January 7th, 2002, my friend Justin had asked me, you know, a few days before that, obviously, he asked me to accompany him and his mom um, to go there to get the results of a scan, and uh, I had gone a few times with him to get, you know, to get the scans and everything, but I just had a feeling and I'm assuming he did too to ask me to come and he said to me I think it'd be good for you to come because my mom might need you there and when he said that I was just like what? you know um, and so we got into the room it took the doctor about an hour to come into the room because we had found out the doctor had been crying himself and was devastated to deliver the news that Justin's cancer had come back with a vengeance and he could no longer have radiation because when they treated him the first time they gave him basically a lifetime worth of radiation he still had burns and scars from the burns and everything from the radiation he had received so his options were to either be amputated from the waist down and live in a wheelchair um, or to just let the cancer do what it's going to do and succumb to it. And Justin decided that he did not want any further treatment and that he was going to just live out whatever he had left and enjoy the time he had. And, you know, to me, I was, I was like, what? You're not going to fight? You're not going to fight this? And, uh, of course that was my own ego and my selfishness because I wanted him around. Um, I never thought in my years ever that he would disappear and never, you know, not be here. So, you know, I went to the bathroom. I screamed. I slammed my fists on the mirrors. I was just so angry and devastated for my friend and for myself. I can't deny it. So, obviously looking back, you know, even shortly after his death, looking back, he never would have been, he was such a ball of fun. And, you know, when he had the cancer, it did cripple him. It, it, it killed his leg, his, um, his left leg. So all the nerves in his leg were damaged. He walked with a limp. He, he was told he'll never drive again, but his dad had, the pedals reversed on his car so he can drive with his right foot. I mean, he was told he'll never, he used to love to ride, you know, go bike riding. He'll never ride a bike again, like all these things. And he overcame them. And I just couldn't see him in a wheelchair. I just couldn't. And I don't blame him for the choice he made. And now, especially now, 18 years later, I... I may have, I may, you know, if that was, if I was in that situation, I may have made the same decision. So, you know, obviously a lot changes in 18 years and we grow and we, we move on, but, you know, so June 4th, 2002, um, I received the call at work that, you know, he was gone. In fact, when I went up to the secretary She looked at me and she said, your sister called and told you that you know what this call is about. And I just shook my head. And she hugged me (laughs) because she knew. Everyone at my job knew that my, you know, my best friend was dying. And um, even my students knew. And so, you know, it really, it really hit me. It didn't hit me there, (laughs) obviously, but it really hit me driving home. And then later that night, it hit me just sitting there, you know, never again. Never again will I hear his voice. Never again will I see his smile. You know, we will never again fight over the stupidest things again. <laughs> you know, a little side, side story that brings a little humor into this. Um, my friend was obsessed with Princess Diana. And he called me the day she died in the accident. And he was in hysterics. I mean hysterics, but I didn't know. (laughs) That's why he was crying. So he was inaudible, sobbing, sobbing, oh, Stacy, oh my God, can you believe it? And I'm like, what happened? I thought someone in his own family died. So I was like, what happened? What happened? He couldn't even speak. Sobbing, and I'm like, "What happened? What happened?" And then he was like, "Oh, princess Diana." And I said, "Are you kidding me? You know, don't get me wrong. This is—it's terrible. Of course, she was a mother. She left. She left behind two two children. But are you kidding me?" And he was like, "Oh, you're a heartless bitch." And he hung up on me, and we didn't talk for like a week. Uh, So these are the things I would never have again. These stupid fights, you know, and the jokes. He was a huge jokester. He was the biggest pain in my ass, but never again. Those are two words that are so permanent and we never realize it, right? Like the first time you try Brussels sprouts and then you say to yourself, I'm not eating these. Definitely not. Never again. And we don't realize that never again is just serious. It's serious. Something so trivial. And I had felt I really had been robbed. I'd been robbed in so many ways. And it took me so long to realize that I never fully grieved. You know, grief is so sly. It's stealthy. And it it tricked me into thinking that I had moved past this loss. But I really hadn't. Because that's what's so crazy about losing someone. Is that, you know, you think you're okay. And then out of nowhere, bam! You hit into that brick wall all over again. And it hits you. You know, and you realize... all these years you know for me 18 years have gone by and I still think of him every day and a lot of times that overwhelming sadness is still there it's still present it hasn't gone away I love how people will always say things like time heals all wounds that's bullshit honestly it really is it's bullshit it's not true the years went on, and no matter what, I still felt an emptiness I couldn't fill, like an everlasting void, and I still have it. Yes, I live my life, I go about my day, you know, I take care of my children, I do what I need to do, but there's still something missing, and nothing fills it because nothing can fill that void. Nothing can replace a human being. A life, nothing. Everyone processes grief differently. But I really think most people can agree with me that grief makes you feel robbed. <laughs> That's why I say grief is a thief. You know, and people say, along with the whole, you know, time heals old wounds, people say, well, life goes on. Yeah, no shit, it does but we carry our grief with us and it becomes part of who we are. Words cannot dissolve grief. It impacts every area of our lives. Why is it so sly? Because it steals from us what we did not know could be stolen. You know, um, like it steals the sparkle that we once had in our eyes. It steals the smile that was once contagious. It steals a piece of our hearts and leaves behind an emptiness that we just cannot seem to fill, no matter what we do, what we try. So how do we overcome grief? We don't. (laughs) We can't. We can't. We can cope with grief. We can adapt in the best way possible, but grief leaves behind trauma and fear. I know that for years I feared getting close to people because I feared losing them, and I did not want to feel that same pain that I felt losing him. I didn't want to feel that again. I wanted to spare myself that feeling you know but grief is also different for everyone you know we think grief is just losing a loved one but grief really can be different for so many people you know it comes in so many forms finding out you know getting a diagnosis about your health that causes grief losing a job Divorce, breakups, miscarriage, retirement. Believe it or not, those things cause grief too. (coughs) Excuse me. And if you're thinking, yeah, well, nothing is worse than death. That's really not for you to decide, right? Because what you're going through is bad for you. Just like what someone else is going through is bad for them. We're not the judge of which one is worse. I'm sorry, my goodness, my allergies. So, there are healthy ways to cope with grief. And there's really no timetable. You know, the right amount of time a person is supposed to be sad over the loss of a loved one or whatever they're grieving over. Look at me, 18 years, I'm still grieving the loss of my best friend. But there are some healthy ways to cope with grief. And one is not to ignore it. It will not go away if you ignore it. People are told to be strong for other people all the time. I I mean, I've said that. I've said that to people. You need to be strong for so-and-so. I would never say that now, (laughs) you know, I would never say that now knowing that that is, that minimizes someone else's pain tremendously. And it also sends a message like, you know, your pain doesn't matter and what you're going through doesn't matter, put it on the back burner because you need to be there for someone else. You know, I would just would never do that now (laughs) at all, at all. But you have to. Acknowledge it. You have to be able to sit with it. That's the only way we heal from trauma. And I say trauma because loss is traumatic. We have to actively face it, pushing it down, being strong, using air quotes here that you can't see, obviously. Whatever nonsense it's called is not healthy, it's avoidance. You know, and it didn't work for past generations, right? Look at our parents. So it's not going to work for us. Showing our true feelings are not signs of weakness. Talk about the loss, how it makes you feel, what it's done to you. Talk about the person. Talk about them. What better way to celebrate their life? It's okay to acknowledge our pain. We live in a society that always has told us not to push it down, push it down, you know, and no, acknowledge it. How about this even better? Honor it. That's right. Honor it. You'll see the difference in any aspect of your life when you honor your feelings. You're feeling angry instead of saying, why do I feel this way? This is so stupid. Honor it okay, I am feeling angry, take a breath, think about why. You'll be surprised. You actually won't feel that angry. (laughs) You know, it actually helps to honor the feeling. A lot of times, too, we have to, you know, accept that grief, grief can trigger other emotions. Like how I mentioned earlier, my fear of getting close to people That's a triggered response to grief. So people who are going through grief may get triggered and feel fear, anger, resentment. All of those things get kicked up. Identify them and honor them. Accept them. You know, you're not alone in this. (coughs) Excuse me. Also we have to understand that people don't know how to process when someone else is processing a loss. I had a friend who would go to funerals and laugh. That's how she processed other people's pain. So you know, people don't always know the right things to say. And I used to think, what an asshole when I would hear someone say something really insensitive. But we have to step back and realize that they don't even know what to say. You know, now when I see people, if I go to a wake or if I, you know, if I am physically in front of someone who lost someone, I don't say I'm sorry. What the hell does that even mean? I do it on Facebook all the time. I know it. Someone posts a loss and I'm like, I'm just so sorry, sending you prayers. That's the truth. I will pray for anybody who's in pain. But when we see someone physically, we don't have to say anything, you know? Why do we feel like we have to say something? We don't. How about a hug? Just how about a hand touching them saying, I'm here for you? We don't have to always rush to say, I'm so sorry for your loss. You know, I mean, we're not robots. It's okay to feel and it's okay to feel for other people. So we have to try not to get upset over those who don't know what to say. Because we're groomed. We're groomed in a society that silence is not golden. Really, it's not. People think silence is awkward. People think that they have a problem and they tell you about it. You have to have an answer. And you don't. You could just be an ear listen. You know? So these are all, I mean, these are all other topics we could totally touch on on another episode, but... You know, when it comes to grief, some people are really awkward and they don't know what to say and it doesn't make them assholes like I had said before. You know, our grieving process is unique to us. So when my friend passed away, I prayed a lot. And I went to this place um, in my hometown called the Alba House which me and a few other friends, we called it the prayer shack because it literally looked like a shack. But it was so peaceful, and I would sit there for hours and just pray and talk to my friend. I journaled a lot during that time also. But there's no cookie-cutter way to cope with grief, and you really need to do what's best for yourself. Um, something I regret doing that I should have done was to find a support group meeting with other people who've gone through similar experiences, you know, is helpful. And I find that to be really helpful. I know it doesn't work for everybody, but many people do find peace in the support of others. You know, a therapist, a grief counselor, you know, a grief support group. And sometimes the best people to talk to are the ones who are biased and They don't know anything about your situation. But you have to remember that when you're going through grief, you know, when you're coping with grief, you can't give up on yourself. And I know that's like, are you serious? But I am serious. Because you can't show up for yourself emotionally if you're weak physically. So you have to try to wake up, brush your teeth, Get you know, follow a routine. Eat. You have to eat. You have to, you know, you have to keep yourself healthy and strong. And I don't mean mentally, I mean physically strong. Because that helps. It does. Having a routine, waking up, making your bed, like I said, brush your teeth. These things do help. And I know they're so small, and I know when you're so sad and depressed, you don't want to get out of bed. Who gives a shit about your teeth? <clears throat> but those little tiny things are so important, so I'm not sure if you guys know, but there are stages of grief um and just so you know just so you know because they're you know first of all, they're they don't have to be done all, you know, in the same way. These stages, you, you know, you might hit the third stage and be done. You got this, you know, you're, you're coping in a healthy way, you know, and that's fine or whatever. Some people only experience one stage out of the stages. You know, never let anyone tell you how long or in which ways you should be grieving because grief is complicated. You definitely, you know, it, there's no wrong or right, right way. I mean, there is a wrong way. The wrong way is the unhealthy way. <clears throat> but there is no, like I told you earlier, there's no time limit. There's no scale. There is no way. And it's ta- it takes years. It takes years to cope with trauma. So some of the stages of grief, the first stage is denial, which is basically you saying, I can't believe this is happening. So that was me at Sloan Kettering when I was slamming on the mirror in the bathroom crying. I can't believe this is happening. I really can't believe it. Um, And taking it personal too, like I can't believe this is happening to me. Despite my friend, the one with the cancer, I felt this was like against me as well. The second stage is anger. So why is this happening to me? right? The third stage is bargaining. And I did do that. I asked God. I promised that I would continue to pray every day of my life for everybody I know and love if you just let him live, right? I was bargaining, (laughs) pulling out anything I could so he could just live longer. Then there's depression, which is I'm too upset to do anything. And that's why it's so important to what had what I mentioned just earlier, you know, what I mentioned earlier about getting up, making your bed, brushing your teeth. Those little things do help cope with that. And the last stage is acceptance, which is I'm at peace with what happened. And that takes a long, long time. Now, of course, like I said, all of this is normal to feel. These are all things you should feel when you are grieving, and like I said, it could be any gr- anything, any grieving, anything. Even substance abusers go through these stages when they when they you know stop um, misusing a drug or substance. They go through these stages. And when I was um, working as a substance abuse counselor, I would do a group on these stages and how, you know, you grieve your substance. So it happens in so many areas of our lives, not just to mention the loss of a loved one. But like I said earlier, grief can be complicated. So if you are really feeling these emotions and it's, you know, it's going on a year or you stopped going to work, you know, for a long time now, and and you just can't seem to really get your life back to some kind of normalcy. And when I say normalcy, I don't really mean normal. I just mean your routine. Um, Then it's time really to contact a professional, Uh, especially if you begin to feel like life isn't worth living, like you wish you died with your loved one, or you blame yourself for their loss, even if you feel numb and disconnected, you know, for more than a few weeks or a couple of months, um, it really is time to reach out for help. And there are a number of online resources to find help for grief. Um, one in particular is the grief resource network. So they provide a number of hotlines, a bunch of different hotlines to call to speak you know, to call to speak to people regarding specific issues that you're coping with. It's a really great resource. So if you are at this moment grieving the loss of a loved one, my heart is with you. I have been there. I know what it's like. Um, and I will pray for you. <laughs> I probably already know who you are. So, um... And if you haven't experienced this yet, you know, now at least you understand and you are armed with knowing some of the stages and some healthy ways to cope with grief. So I hope it helps. Other than that, guys, I don't want to, you know, depress you anymore. (laughs) So... I really hope you have a great day. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for, um, my next episode will be about online dating. And I did, um, ask a few Facebook, I put it on Facebook to ask a few people, um, to tell me some of their horror stories and of course, funny stories. And I have one of my own. So, you know, that'll be, that'll be a fun, lighthearted episode that I'm sure we could all use after this one. So have an awesome day. Thanks, guys.